0: That's joinMIDI.com.
1: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?
2: This is episode 313 of Alohamora for January 16th, 2021. Alohomora. Welcome to another episode of Alohomora, Mugglenet.com's in-depth exploration of the Harry Potter series.
3: I'm Rex Haddon.
4: I'm Aurelia Lieb.
3: I'm Sam Williams. This is Tavi Wickman, our guest. Welcome, Tavi. Thank you very much for having me. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hi, Tavi. Hey. Tavi, tell us a little about yourself. Where are you from? What do you do? You know, that whole stuff.
5: So I am from Stockholm. I am a Swedish-Canadian based in in Sweden. Um, I study journalism and I run a couple podcasts. One of which is of Muggles and Mudbloods, which is a, uh, obviously a Harry Potter themed podcast. That's
3: excellent. Um, so what is your Hogwarts house? Your wand? Your Patronus? If you know your Ilvermorny school, what's all that?
5: Um, so I am, uh, oddly enough, a Ravenclaw. Um, <laughs> I am a massive, massive nerd. Um, which I'm, I'm sure you guys can all, um, relate to. I don't remember my wand actually, but my 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 uh, patronus is a polecat. cat. Oh, nice! And I got into Harry Potter when I had a cold when I was like not eight or nine years old, and got the first Harry Potter book and was basically stuck since then. So it's been fun. That's awesome. What is your um
3: does your Harry Potter podcast focus on? Is it there like a speciality, or is it just kind of an an overview
5: podcast? So we're doing uh, chapter by chapter, of course, um, which is a fairly standard um system of doing it but we're Uh we're both plucoscientists that 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 do this podcast Um, so we're trying to break down how things actually work um (laughs) which which gets ridiculous at times but we've we've gone into what systems are in place for example to make sure that people that have suffered magical accidents or been attacked by magical creatures don't arrive at a muggle hospital and wreak havoc when the full moon shows up, for example, Mm. the case of werewolves. So we're trying to figure out how exactly does the Wizarding Society work. Um, So we go through each chapter, talk about the lived experiences of muggles, or muggle-borns, at least, and and the, the ways things work in reality. So educational policy, things like that.
4: That sounds really cool.
2: That's something I've really never thought of, how the Wizarding World kind of... Handles werewolf attacks on muggles.
5: So, if you guys want, I can I can do the the basic theory we, we came came to um just quickly here.
3: Yeah, go for it.
5: Um, if you guys remember from from book six, I believe it is the the new, the other minister is the chapter. Uh-huh.
2: It's my favorite chapter in the series.
5: Me too. It's amazing. I love it. That's that's basically the inspiration to this podcast is the other minister. Um, that relationship right there. <laughs> um. We have this really ugly painting. And it might just be me, but I find that hospital rooms and things like that have, have really ugly art as well. And that, that, that is our explanation for how the Wizarding World monitors hospitals and doctors' offices, offices and that kind of stuff to make sure that nobody suffering from dragonpox is being treated with antibiotics because it's not going to work. So these paintings are reporting back to St. Mungo's, basically.
4: That's very interesting because I, well, I suppose we don't really know, but when Dudley has the pig's tail, it's sort of assumed that they go to St. Mungo's to treat it because they go to London to have it removed from a specialist. And I think the sort of theory that is that some sort of wizardy, wizard magic stuff is involved in that because I don't think... There's muggle ways to remove it.
2: Oh, I just thought they snipped it off with a pair of scissors. Yeah, me too.
4: You, yeah?
2: That's you know, okay. how I always <laughs> <Is> that- <laughs> pictured it, because there are instances, like, not at Dudley's age, but when a child is born, they kind of have a little tail, and most of the time, some doctor, like, just snips it.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're looking at, you know, the bigger... The bigger scale here um we'll have an episode coming out soon that's going into galleons um and their value which was a bit insane because we had not planned that that just happened during the episode but that's basically the thing with mugs and Bloods is we're trying to sort out how how things really work that's awesome that's
3: really neat
4: and I suppose on sorting out how things really work, uh, this is a good point to let you guys know what we're going to talk about this episode, um, because we're trying to figure out memories and the pensive. Uh, this was a topic that was suggested by Bailey Newsing and Josh Cook.
1: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
3: This episode is sponsored by Hunter Jones on Patreon. Thank you, Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> claps, claps for Hunter. Woo-hoo. Thank you. Um, you can become a sponsor for as little as $1 a month, also known as 100 pennies. We are working on a lot of great content, released with every episode, and you can visit patreon.com slash alohamora to find out more. And this episode's shout out, Maxima, comes from episode 311,
2: which was about Quidditch. And this is from Granger is our queen. Aww. Someone, I forgot who, was talking about how in the first three minutes of the game, the snitch is worth way too much. But by the time you get two weeks of playing, 150 points is hardly anything compared to the thousands of points you already have. I thought of a way to fix this. As the time goes up, so does the amount of points the snitch is worth. Say, at 10 minutes, it is worth 50 points. Then at an hour, it's worth 150. It's not necessarily a proportional relationship. It can even vary given the professionalism of the match. As you get into days and weeks, the points of the snitch has to increase much slower because the players will be scoring less as they get tired. At Hogwarts, the amount of points the snitch was worth was either no problem or worth way too much because matches were only a few hours at most, so they could help Gryffindor not always win with their fancy new youngest seeker in a century. It always dumbfounds me that Harry always catches the snitch. Give the other team a chance, Joe. I also have a question. What style of dance does Irvin make videos on? As a dancer myself, I thought it'd be interesting to check it out myself.
3: Excellent. Thank you, Granger is our
2: queen. So what do you all think of the snitch being worth 150 points and that whole...
5: For those of you you who know, there is actually Muggle Quidditch now. Uh, There is an International Quidditch Federation, um that organizes a Quidditch World Cup every year uh, and has competitive national teams from, for example, Sweden or the UK. I believe it was in Italy most recently. And they value the snitch at much, much, much less than 150 points to make it a bit easier to play the game and have a justifiable system here to like actually have a functioning sport <laughs> that isn't completely nerfed. So for me, I think the, the main issue is that maybe decrease the value of the snitch significantly, um, make it more worth, like, 50 points, for example, and keep it there. And then have it be the game-ending thing, which means that there's still a lot of strategy in ha- when you catch a snitch, but not as much when it comes... Like, it's not a game-deciding factor.
4: Uh, my, I mean, my main issue with the whole thing is that just it just makes no sense to have a game that could go months. It's just it's insane um and yes if like i think sam you brought this up on the episode Mm -hmm. if like is it his second quidditch game against hufflepuff or something where harry catches it in like two minutes where it's like yeah you you can't score anything in two minutes more than maybe 20 points Uh, so 150 points for the snitch is insane um but i also don't think uh it works well that you just play on until it's caught (laughs) especially not in a school. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting because in, in a lot of worldwide sports, so basketball, baseball, um, I believe it's true in cricket as well. The game can kind of go on forever. Um, in international soccer or football, they do a nice job of, Hey, it's capped at, uh, 90 minutes plus whatever added on time you need for celebrations or injuries or water breaks. Um, and so the game Stops and you get a point when you tie or whatever. Um, I like having a, the time limit. The fact that Quidditch continues to go on, as Aurelia is saying, for for an infinite amount of time. Usually, that doesn't happen in baseball or or basketball, even though it technically could. Um, so maybe it's not a huge issue when it comes to professional Quidditch. In in you know the made up Harry Potter universe, not the not the Muggle Quidditch that we have today, but also. <laughs> As you're saying earlier, to have it at a school, like, shouldn't people be prioritizing classes? I don't know. I'd be bothered, as a high school teacher, I'd be bothered if my students didn't show up to class because they were still playing Quidditch for a week.
4: Yeah. Also, yeah. the injuries must go up the longer you play because <laughs> you get tired. And I don't know, people could just slip from the brooms because they're too tired to hold on.
5: So I, I want to jump in here again and mention that professional team, Quidditch teams do have backup roster so they can switch out people yeah and there is even mentions in the books that there is like reserve seekers and that kind of stuff or have been at the path in the past so i think we're dealing with a much smaller school in hogwarts uh in the harry potter books than it tends to be in um most regular years which could be a justifying factor you could have have more students playing than just the seven that are that are on the team at the moment mm-hmm.
3: to address um grangers or Queens? Uh, talk about starting at fifty and then expanding as the game goes on. I think that's a fair, um, that's a fair way to utilize the the snitch and its points. I think that'd be really interesting to see, like, have, like a a system where the snitch gets more and more valuable. I still think right at the beginning of the game, though, um, right? If if we're doing advanced analytics for Quidditch, the problem is is that Quidditch teams. Today, right, if somebody like Daryl Morey or um, the guy from Moneyball, the movie Moneyball, comes in, they would still say everyone in the first three, four, five minutes, ten minutes, we're not actually going to play the game of putting the quaffle in the hoop. We're just going to hunt for the snitch (laughs) Uh, because it's worth 50 points. And if we can get that in the first five minutes, then we win the game and everybody stays not injured. And then we don't have to use our reserves in bringing less talented people. So, I don't know. I still feel like maybe there's a time limit.
2: Wouldn't holding... So, rather than at the start of the game releasing the snitch, having a delay on that release, just so then points can be obtained uh, via the quaffle. I think that would be great.
4: Yeah, I think that was... what they do in like muggle quidditch, although um, I should uh, add that they are changing or have already changed all the rules, so I have no idea what the new rules are. But previously, yeah. that um, was the rule.
5: Oh, really? it's correct. Um, I I spoke actually recent uh, last year to a member of the Gothenburg Griffins, which is the, one of Sweden's quidditch teams. Um, actually, competed at the European Championships, and that they released the snitch after fifteen minutes.
3: That's yeah. See, that sounds better. That sounds like a better system.
4: I also, um, just because you brought it up, uh, Sam, and I know you brought it up in the episode as well with um, with the analysis part, I think, especially thinking of basketball, basketball has changed so much mm-hmm. and continues to change so much throughout the years with stuff introduced like the three-pointer, because that wasn't always there, mm-hmm. uh, just because the game changes and they're like, okay. Now we've introduced something new. Everyone's taking advantages of it, so we're going to introduce something else new to balance it out. So I, I don't think in a sort of Quidditch that is working on hundreds of years old rules would still be the same these days because right. it would have changed.
5: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, if you're looking at like at the development of broom technology, for example, you you see that over time brooms become a lot better. Um, the original brooms were basically unable to turn. So Quidditch has to adapt to that kind of stuff. I think the the Firebolt, for example, um, might be a broom that could be exclusively for racing. Mm. And you keep Quidditch teams to like Nimbus 2000s and 2001s to maintain some semblance of, well, enjoyability for the the spectating Witcher Wizard.
2: Because I think going off of the Firebolt thing that you said, Tavi, in Goblet of Fire at the World Cup, um Ireland their entire team had the firebolts and i believe it mentioned that it was hard to follow them because they were all just moving so
3: fast mhm
5: yeah exactly yeah you don't you can't enjoy a game that much if it's, if, you, if you can't see them play it
3: it'd be like if a formula 1 car or a nascar you just could do the whole track in Ten minutes, and you know everyone used to come out and watch hour-long races. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
4: I'm not sure Wizarding World is really concerned about spectatorship. <laughs> if we <laughs> remember the tournament and uh, people being underwater for an hour, and <laughs> I don't think it's ever been specifically said that anyone can see what they're doing. So poor, poor Ludo
2: Bagman. Something <laughs> that I just want to know because staring at a lake for an hour. Is like fishing, which I find boring, but some people really enjoy fishing, and that's okay. Well, but
4: you're not even trying to catch a yeah. fish, though.
2: <laughs> I know, but like that's something. It's like they're just fishing and just kind of waiting for something to bite their hook. But yeah, they don't have a fishing pole, so that like they're just pretty much sitting, watching a body of water in
4: February in Scotland. So it's like freezing. <laughs>
3: There's, um, there's some headcanon out there that, uh, Dumbledore organized the giant squid to put on like a circus show Oh, during, during the hour. I fun. like that.
5: I would come up with that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Right. That'd be awesome. But I mean, yeah, spectatorship in terms of the, we have the lake and then we have the maze and everyone must've been so disappointed after being able to watch a dragon in a stadium.
4: Yeah.
2: Oh, they did have the maze too.
3: Yeah, it's just two tasks of Ludo Bagman, like, having to, what, I don't know, do improv for a couple of hours. (laughs) Well, but isn't the maze in the Quidditch
2: pitch, so wouldn't they be seated in the, like, Quidditch towers, so theoretically they could see things happen in the maze?
4: Yeah, I think the maze could work better, but I just don't see how the lake works.
5: Yeah, yeah, but also and, the, the like the 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 walls of the maze are pretty high as well. So even mm-hmm. if like you you theoretically could see some of it, you can't see much.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think in the book it says they're twenty feet. Yeah,
5: okay. you're not gonna see so. Harry. Yeah, Harry's not not ten feet high Like it's it's, it's <laughs> you're not gonna see anyone anyway. So moot point.
3: I bet there were a couple of students who went up to the astronomy tower and used some omnoculars to spy down on the maze.
5: Oh yeah, definitely. Oh,
3: used some telescopes. Well, yeah. every student's required a telescope. Yeah.
5: I bet
4: the Ravenclaws were just like, "Well, we're gonna watch this from like out the room, we're in the tower." Yeah.
5: <laughs> Once again, winter in Scotland. Uh, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but
2: now I think we should go on to the main discussion to talk about <laughs> brains and memory and all that stuff.
4: I know you are excited, Rex. I'm just excited oh, I, I love to, neuroanatomy. to listen to you.
2: <laughs> so, this since this topic is about memory, I thought just first discussing brains because that is where memory is stored, and it's also a part of the Department of Mysteries. So, we know in Muggle society that the brain is. A very complex organ that is responsible for everything that our body does both consciously and subconsciously and in the harry potter series the wizarding community is also still figuring that out hence why it's a part of the department of mysteries and like we know that memories are stored um, in the limbic system of the brain and that just contains uh, the thalamus hypothalamus amygdala and the hippocampus and the hippocampus is pretty much where most of the memory is stored as well as this is a primitive brain structure. So that's just saying a lot of animal species have this in their brain. It's not something
3: that's just unique to humans. I have two questions about the department of mystery brains. Um, do we ever get an explanation as to why they can physically harm people with what I assume are like, Thought tentacles? Why Ron is scarred? Certainly, that doesn't happen with Muggle brains.
4: I think the answer is no to that. We we don't really know.
2: Do you think they just bewitched the brain, and that's kind of why they have like
3: movement? Well, because they're they're sitting in some type of potion, right?
2: Yeah. So like yeah, a tank. I just thought it was like.
3: A liquid. I'm not, did it specify in order? No, it doesn't. It's just like...
4: I don't think we know it's a potion. I
3: just pictured formaldehyde. Oh, yeah. I just really wonder... Well, I think there's two questions for me. Like, I would love an explanation at some point from from uh, Joe about if and how the 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 scarring from thought works physically in that sort of way because i mean it's like an interesting line when dumbledore's like memory can scar much deeper than like whatever dumbledore's quote is which is is you know a very good quote for teenagers to understand that words hurt but um and then also i just want to know whose brains those are in the department of mystery like how did we get those brains were they conjured from, like, or were they, you know, basically created by magic? Or are they people's brains? Are there organ donors, then, in the wizarding world? Are these muggle brains? Are they wizarding brains? Like, I just want to know what, what's going on and how ethical that is.
5: Yeah, I, I, I can agree here. Um, one thought I have that we, we could maybe consider as well is, is it possible that these brains are the result of um, accident? mistakes when it comes to either transfiguration or a potion or something like that and that's an experimental system here that we're dealing with mm. them trying to figure out what happened what went what, what, what wrong because you do have i believe it is the department of experimental charms that deals with um that kind of research so you could have the unspeakables working with potions research and they i guess they screwed up
2: <laughs> yeah and, like, transfigured someone into a brain?
5: Yeah, like, they, they, this could be a massive mistake. Okay, We know Luna's mom died um through uh, potions experimentation.
2: Yeah. Lots of ethical questions. Oh, 100%. But I do think it would, if they are wizard brains, they do have some sort of organ donation system in place rather than just stealing brains. But then again i think the wizarding world is set back in time with just things and i think that they really aren't considerate of ethics because um in just modern day research ethics weren't a thing until about um in like the 60s or 70s so hmm. i just see the wizarding society as not being like i wonder if we should Care about people that we're researching on.
4: Yeah, I mean, in general, the Wizarding World doesn't seem to be super concerned with safety, security, keeping people in one piece, and putting three-headed dogs in schools and stuff. That <laughs> sort of stuff.
5: At least not the not the British people. Well, because as long as they don't die, you can most likely fix it. Oh yeah.
4: Yeah, I think it's also interesting um, if we think of the magical part. Is where does the magic come from? Is that inside the brain or is it somewhere else in your body?
2: And I think that is a huge part of the Department of Mysteries because, like, how could two magical people give birth to a squib as well as how could two muggles give birth to a witch or wizard?
5: Uh-huh. So I believe I've seen this written down um, either on Pottermore's or Wizarding World and that is that it's it's magic is a a gene right it's it's part of your dna mm-hmm. and just like a redhead or people can give birth to a redhead uh, you can give birth to a wizard um if it's part of your genetic history um just like two redheads can give birth to a non-ginger um like you don't have to like genetics don't have to always follow maybe it's maybe it's a dominant gene in most cases and it it usually results in you giving birth to another wizard if you're a witch wizard, but it still is possible that you are. You don't. And in those cases, that person is married off into the muggle society, and that allows for later on a muggle born witch or wizard or more to appear through the muggle world, thanks to that person's um, latent magical genes reappearing.
2: Well, I think. The author said in an interview that the magic gene is dominant, which I guess kind of makes sense because if you have like a witch or wizard have a child with a muggle, like, a majority of the time it, they are magical and just mutations and genes just naturally occur, which kind of makes sense to how squibs are made because they are a lot. They are something that's kind of
3: rare, like a genetic mutation. I think it was confirmed that she said um, that muggle-born witches and wizards happened because a squib married into that family line at some point in their history. Yeah. Uh, So Hermione, one of Hermione's ancestors was a squib. And that's how that, so we know that's how that's confirmed. Uh, There's still some speculation as to how squibs continue as far as there's nothing been confirmed by the creator or the author.
5: Yeah, and I I honestly think that marrying a squib off into the Muggle world is the is the kind thing to do, or at least letting them live with people that that aren't magical because it would be pretty horrible to be the only non-magic person in your entire society.
3: Yeah, see Argus Filch.
5: <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely Exhibit A. <laughs>
2: yeah, but then just kind of with kind of brain structure. In a previous episode that I was on, I don't remember which one, I kind of got on a le- little tangent about lisps, just because I'm a speech therapist, and that's something that I do um for my career. And um just kind of going with the brain, um, there's just a lot of motor planning that can be wrong with it. So why doesn't Hogwarts teach nonverbal magic? Because though... I don't have a lisp or like a speech impediment. Um, every now and then my tongue just gets kind of tied up and I mispronounce things. So that's just something I'm curious about because I know nonverbal magic is a lot harder than verbal magic.
4: Yeah, I thought they they don't start teaching it before sixth year because it's so much harder.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, maybe that's So you would have to struggle all the way to sixth year to start learning it.
5: They, they could also make an exception for um, witches and wizards um, with a lisp. You do have, for example, uh, private tutoring for different students and different subjects uh, like Neville, who had to take remedial potions.
3: Yeah. I, I think I'm curious as to what Hogwarts sort of IEP, that's a, uh, uh, oh gosh, it's um individual, individual education, education plan. plan. Yeah. I'm wondering, I wonder how their IEP system is um, in terms of people who, have lisps or, um, you know, if they have attention deficit disorders, etc. But I think what is also interesting here is we're talking about like the etymology of, of spells because it doesn't seem to be that you have to do Latin, right? Um, although we see mostly Latin spells being cast only, but, um, you know, the spell that brings Voldemort back in book four is is a sort of potion that's cast with English words and we see um Peter Pettigrew. Uh, not Peter Pettigrew, we see Gildor, Gildor Lockhart attempt a uh spell against Pixies that's all based in English words. And so i w I'm wondering here But if that it, spell doesn't it work. It does not. Yeah, so it's that's, that's
5: kind of a counterexample.
3: <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I do wonder though if it is the if the words matter as much or if the intention of what you're saying matters and that there's a focuser. And I also then wonder why Latin seems to be the best focuser for at least what we're seeing in the British world, uh, British schools and, and such. Um, I'd be interested to know at other schools, right? Are they using a Latin base or are they using more of a, like a Mandarin base or a Japanese base, etc.?
4: Isn't the African school the one where they mostly use nonverbal? They use nonverbal
2: and wandless magic at when Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um Ariel, Ariel and Tavi, um, if you've read like are the spells in non-English books still the Latin based or do they change them?
4: They did not change them for German.
5: Yeah, I think the majority are the same as the English. Um wh- one thought for me, maybe, is that the UK, um England was um for a while under the rule of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There could be some trace there. So Aside
4: from Scotland though, in, interestingly enough, true. And Hogwarts well, is in Scotland.
5: <laughs> that that is very true. But some things tend to spread. Um so if we're dealing with the English language for example, and the witching and wizarding society in um in Great Britain is primarily using this form of magical um conduit then you could assume that over time it spreads.
4: Yeah, and I I think that's a good point, Tavi, um, because we know the Romans did bring a lot of culture and education to the countries that they invaded. Uh-huh. And uh, like England, for example, was basically just a lot of wild people before the Romans came and were like, look, there's baths, you should clean yourself every now and then. <laughs> um
3: so, yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because, um, in terms of it, Hogwarts being founded there, there was only one Scot who founded, um, Hogwarts and that was Rowena Ravenclaw. So we've got three people, I think one of them is Welsh and two of them are from England, both Salazar Slytherin and Godric Gryffindor are English. Well, I think one's from Ireland.
2: Um, cause in one of the books it says someone's from Glen, and I guess, which is Scotland. Yep. Yeah. That's where and each part is one represents Ireland, one yeah, we, Wales, so one Scotland, we, and one...
4: Gryffindor represents England, uh, Hufflepuff represents Wales, uh, Ravenclaw represents Scotland, and Slytherin represents Ireland.
3: I we I think we went over this in a previous episode. I'm pretty sure that um, Salazar Slytherin is from a, a swampy area of England, is what we ended up figuring out.
4: Well, I know that Rosie said that ages ago in this podcast, and... And she used that Sorting Hat song to deduce it. Mm-hmm. It's also um, because Gryffindor is a lion and England's symbol is the lion.
5: Yeah. Uh, so Helga Hufflepuff is from Valley Broad. Um,
4: yeah, that's Wales.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have Bald Gryffindor from Wild Moor. We have Scylla Slytherin from, from Fen. Fen. And we have England. Ravenclaw from Glen.
3: Yeah. So Fen is a, um, swampy area in England. Back to our topic on memory. There isn't just one
2: type of memory. Memory's kind of broken up into what a lot of people see as short-term and long-term memory. And essentially, they are kind of what they say. So, like, short-term memories for, like, really quick retrieval, um... And it's something that decays rapidly. Like um, if I give you a set of numbers for you to repeat, it's easier to do it instantaneously rather than a five or 10 minute delay. And long term memory is kind of broken up into conscious memory and subconscious memory. Um, with the conscious memory, um, that's just kind of stuff you declare, which you have episodic and semantic with episodic memory that is from events in your life. So remembering what you did last week, what you did for New Year's Eve, since we are recording on January 3rd and the um, episodic um, involves both recall and recognition of past events and with semantic memory, that's just general knowledge of the world. So just, I, how do I explain this? (laughs) Um, so it's just knowing like how things work and like the, um, meaning of words. And kind of if your semantic memory is damaged, you lose content to your speech. Your speech just doesn't make sense. And then, uh, going into unconscious memory is, um, you have priming, which is just prior exposure to improve recall. Like when I was five, I touched fire because I wondered if it was hot. And now I know not to touch fire as well as you also have procedural or motor memory. And this is kind of like riding a bike, how you just kind of learned how to motorically do that, and your body just knows, I do this with my legs and my torso and whatever else is needed for that concept. And how memories are formed is through a process of encoding, which is just uh, organization or manipulation of, incoming information and a lot of ways people learn things is different because we have visual learners, auditory learners, as well as kinesthetic learners. And it's just kind of figuring out how you learn best, which I have no idea how you figure out. I really don't know what type of learner I (laughs) am, but that is fine. But then, um, kind of storing memory is really important, because that's how you can recall information for anything, Um, kind of really encoding that short-term memory to transfer it into a more long-term memory, so you can recall it, like, if you get a new phone number or a new PIN on your debit card. There's no fixed lifetime for memory storage. Like, you can have memories from, like, when you were a toddler, But then you can also lose memories that happened like a year ago. And with retrieval, um, there are kind of little breaks in it when you just have trouble coming up with a word. So you're like, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. You're just having a recall error, which is just something that naturally occurs. There's just a little um, speed bump in the road um, of all the neurons in the brain. And then just kind of going into memory loss, we know in Sorcerer's Stone that they have a remember-all, which to me makes no sense because it just tells you when you forgot something, yeah. but it doesn't tell you what you forgot. So that's, it's useless. <laughs> it's useless. I think it's
5: stupid. It's it's one of those gimmicky things you buy on like Wish or on Amazon. Like it's, <laughs> it's like, oh, look at that. It, it sounds really useful, but it's not. And then
2: kind of going into memory loss, um... Just any form of brain injury uh, can lead to it. Um, like, everyone knows the term amnesia when you just kind of can't remember things, and that's broken into intergrade amnesia, which means you can't make new memories, so you could think it's always June 5th, 1974, and everything beyond that you just forget, as well as you have retrograde amnesia, which means you forgot things before an accident. So usually before a car accident. And these, like I said, are seen in motor vehicle accidents. And I would assume this would also be seen in Quidditch, especially if you take a bludger to the head.
4: Yeah. I mean, we do see a whole ward that at St. Mungus that seems to deal with memory loss.
5: I didn't even think about looking at St. Mungo's for this. Yeah. Uh, when, when we're talking about St. Mungus, though, we're dealing a lot more with... The effects of magic um i'm not i'm a bit skeptical to the the long-term effects of physical injury when it comes to wit- witches and wizards um because in many cases you can repair things with magic um the people we know that are in there in the in those wards in st Mungo's are people that have fallen victim to curses and spells uh for example gilderoy lockhart
4: yeah or neville's parents that have been tortured
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
4: So I suppose Neville's parents would then that would be retrograde amnesia.
2: Um, well, I think with Neville Neville's parents, they're insane. I don't know how else to word that. That seems like just kind of they really don't know how to communicate, and they're were just driven to madness by Bellatrix. Um, I'm sure like a more qualified person can go into that
3: than me who can't like deals with more of that. Yeah. I think um, there does seem to be some sense of memory because Neville's mom gives him the rapper. Um, And so I, I always saw that as like a doting upon her son in, in the only way that she could. Although some people think that it's just because, She's like, oh, here's a care person. I'm going to give them a piece of trash. Um, But yeah, it does seem like it's not so much a memory issue as it is a (laughs) trauma-based, whatever, loss of, uh, you know, motor skills and memory and everything put together to create that situation. Because that ward ends up feeling more like a a long-term assisted living situation than it does just a memory ward because there's so much that can happen to someone when
2: anything in their brain is damaged because though looking at an mri you can see an infarct like towards if you get an mri see an infarct in broca's area you would expect someone to be unable to speak just because it's in broca's area but that's not saying it happens all the time, because sometimes rather than the left side of the brain broke his areas on the right side, and there's no way of knowing that unless you get damaged there. But then we also just kind of have degenerative diseases that lead into memory loss. So just different types of dementia. Um, so the big one is Alzheimer's, which is about 60%. Of cases according to the World Health Organization but there are also other forms of dementia that I just want to bring awareness to because I've had family members with them I've worked with clients that have had these but you have vascular dementia Lewy body dementia Parkinson's dementia you have frontal temporal de- dementia um, as well as krufeldt jacob dementia and um, Wernicke Karskaroff Dementia, which that one is most commonly seen in alcoholics there's probably a reason I don't know um, but um, all of these just kind of have different causes as well as symptoms um, when someone gets this, which leads to the kind of general memory loss that we associate with dementia um, but recently I don't really know when um. We've like discovered that there's something called mild cognitive impairment, and with just a uh, dementia, it takes over many many domains, but with a um, mild cognitive impairment, it's just one domain, and it can be reversible in twenty percent of cases if caught early and um, intervened with uh, cognitive therapy.
4: That's so fascinating. I'm just so glad you're on this episode to explain all things. <laughs> um, oh, I love neuro. Can you, just because I've I've definitely didn't know that there's so many forms of dementia, can you like give an example of the different symptoms?
2: Um, well, that definitely depends on the type of dementia. But with Parkinson's dementia, it's a lot of motor planning. Mm-hmm memory loss so somewhat and with that to have parkinson's dementia you need to have parkinson's disease but if you get parkinson's disease doesn't mean you're gonna get parkinson's dementia
4: okay does that make sense yeah yeah that makes sense
2: um and with that it's a lot of i think i had an instructor in grad school talk about one of their parents having it and they couldn't figure out how to load or unload the dishwasher. I don't know if that's a thing or not, but that is the one thing that comes to mind when I think of Parkinson's dementia. But um a frontal temporal um, dementia, is, um there's primary progressive aphasia. My mom's dad, so my maternal grandfather, had that. And he had a grammatic um, primary progressive aphasia, which just pretty much means that when the disease was developing, his ability to communicate slowly went down and eventually he kind of just lost the ability to communicate and he was just... um He was in a vegetative state. Yeah. Essentially. And then those are the two that I can think of um I in grad school, I had a client with Vernicky Karskarov dementia, and my supervisor just told me it's commonly seen in alcoholics and that was something in their um medical file, so it's just a fun fact that I picked up from school interesting, and definitely someone who works with adults can probably explain them more i work with children under the age of five (laughs) so i'm at the other end of life (laughs) we also like like um we know that wizarding physiology is different than muggle physiology so to say what could happen in a wizard's brain we really don't know because we don't know what their brains look like we just know the makeup physiologically is different so who's to say that uh witch or wizard could develop dementia because they can live longer
3: yeah so i think this is really uh a very interesting thing that came out of the first fantastic beasts movie it's when newt is talking to jacob and he's putting on the like whatever leather body armor he's got for the erumpent scene. And he says, Oh, you know, you're a muggle. So our, our physiology differs slightly. I really want to know to what degree it differs slightly, what their brains look like. I, I wonder if, because in the department of mystery, we see brains with like thought tentacles. Is that a physical representation of how magic works that the brains literally have magical thought that runs from them into fingertips and toes and such, and that's why they're able to use, like, magic through their hands into a wand. There's so many questions I have about the actual physiology now that we know that it differs from Muggles and that the answer to why magic exists in Harry Potter isn't just oh, it's magic. Like, there seems to be a a real system here, and I'd love to dive into that more now that we've gotten a
5: little bit of a hint of it. Yeah, I I think that's really interesting. Um, We do know that which the Wizards live a about two to three times the lifespan of muggles. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a combination of, um, different kinds of healthcare. You have potions and things like that. We also have resistance to maybe muggle diseases and, and, and so forth. When it comes to this thing about physiology, I wonder if it's, (laughs) maybe it's the writers of the movie going in for a line for comic effect. And now it's part of the Harry Potter universe. Um, which is often something I worry about is like the offhand comment that ends up being a huge question afterwards. Right. But I think the the idea of like the wizarding brain having these magic tentacles basically going in to the rest of the body is is really interesting. Yeah.
4: Also creepy. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yes. Creepy and interesting.
3: Um, they can be both. I'm sure it's something Ron does not want to think about anymore. But do you think? Do you think the brains in the Department of Ministry
2: of... Why do I keep on saying ministry instead of mystery? I don't know. Um, but do you think those brains, like, are conscious because they are wizard brains compared to muggle brains?
3: Well, the, it showed some sort of consciousness in the fact that it, it bound Ron, right? So that is some sort of conscious or subconscious behavior from the brain.
5: Yeah. Tough question. Yeah. You stumped us. Okay. This is the is issue you always have with Harry Potter. It's like, kind of like, okay, we have a limited amount of information. Time to extrapolate. <laughs> yep. What what can we figure out? Um,
3: I'd love to hear theories from, from our listeners as, as to if those brains are conscious, if we think they're Mogo brains brains or, or wizard brains or where they came from, etc. That'd be fun in the
2: comments. What they're stored in, because... Is it a potion? Is it formaldehyde? Who knows?
5: Good job. Delicate the task. (laughs) Someone else can do this. (laughs) I I agree. I have no clue.
4: Maybe it's just a defense mechanism if someone, aside from an unspeakable, frees a brain from its container.
3: Oh, interesting.
4: Maybe it's just something they added afterwards.
2: So, like, the brains are enchanted. Kind of like how the only people to touch the prophecies are the people mm. who yeah. the prophecies about or the unspeakable. Mm.
1: Yeah, exactly.
5: I, I guess well, unspeakables can't touch them either.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought they wore gloves, but like, honestly, order is my
3: least favorite book. It's the book I have le- read the least.
2: Whatever. So I
3: could be very wrong.
5: And we all know there's <laughs> one reason for that. And that's Umbridge. I love that book so much. Um, I, me too. What <laughs> <I, it's laughs> an amazing book, but oh my God.
3: She is terrible. She is. She's absolutely horrendous. Uh, Oh, she's one of my favorite characters. She's a great character. There's such a big difference, though, between a great character. That's why she's one of my favorites, because she's such a
5: great character. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Great character, horrible woman.
5: (laughs) I believe Stephen King called her the greatest villain since since Hannibal Lecter. So... Good for him. I think he is... uh, Something tells me he's an authority on literature, so...
3: He he can make that sort of comment. (laughs) Um... I have a question about the ministry's security measures now that I'm thinking about it. Why is the tank to the brains just (laughs) open?
4: Security in the wizarding world. That's gonna be interesting. Why? Yeah.
3: Yeah. First of all, I mean it's already an issue that miners can get into the Department of Mysteries so easily, I mean, regardless of, of Sirius's knife being a part of the equation. But my God, why on earth are the brains in a tank that's open? food for thought well maybe they thought no one would break in because
2: it's the Department of Mysteries yeah. maybe
4: someone didn't clean up their workstation properly
2: someone didn't follow
3: the protocol
5: never underestimate human error
3: <laughs> if all of the events of the Order of the Phoenix climax is just due to the fact that the equivalent of a janitor in the ministry didn't lock up properly yeah. <laughs> that's my new headcanon I'm
5: sorry the, enti- the entire Harry Potter series can be equated down to the fact that, that Ron bought, brought his rat on vacation yeah yeah <laughs> like leave your rat at home and Sirius won't notice him and he won't break out and pedigree will die as a rat and the dark lord never return and problem solved um, but then the
2: series would be very yeah. boring
5: <laughs> lucky harry i mean we
4: see the trio break in into all the supposedly super safe places
5: in the seventh book so
4: they break into the ministry they break into Gringotts, they break into hogwarts and all of it yeah. doesn't seem too hard. I'm, I'm sorry.
5: We see Hermione break in and Ron and Harry yeah, come along. That's true.
2: Oh, Hermione. Like, if it, if Hermione wasn't there, they couldn't figure things out.
4: They wouldn't have lasted first no, year.
2: they would not have. They would have died with a devil's snare. Luckily, she got trapped in the girls' bathroom with a troll.
4: <laughs> Yay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, the the origins of how all this start is fascinating. I think it's really interesting that Ron does bring his rat, though. Because I think it just shows how desperate he is for companionship, even amongst his family. But that's a totally different topic than what we're
5: doing today.
4: I was just going to say, now it got really (laughs) sad.
5: Sorry. (laughs) I'll just, one thing on the subject, and I can leave it. I think it's like that these other, the other people, Fred, George, Bill, Charlie, Percy have really concrete identities. Mm -hmm. um, Whereas Ron is still working on forming that identity. It's, Uh, Of course, Harry, being his best friend, isn't exactly helping. Yeah. All excellent points. Yeah. Okay.
4: Poor Ron.
3: Shall we move into the pensive section?
4: Um, so we made pensives multiple times, um, in this series. So I suppose it makes sense that we established the basics of pensives. And I went to my uh, favorite website of all time, Wizarding World Digital or whatever it's called. Um, and found some stuff that uh the author wrote in twenty fifteen so some of her original pieces that they still have on that side um and she describes uh pensive as a wide and shallow dish made of metal or stone um it often has like precious stones and carvings uh on on and complex enchantments on its side, which I think that far, It's no surprise because that's what we see. Um, And as always, because J.K. Rowling names stuff with intention, the name pensieve is a homonym for pensive, meaning deeply, seriously thoughtful. Uh, But it's also a pun uh, because the sieve part is the world alluding to the object's function uh, of sorting meanings from a mass of thoughts, of memories.
0: Hmm.
5: Yeah, so in in Swedish, for example, this is uh, a minnesål, which is basically a, men- a memory sieve. So it's not as um, much of a homonym, but it's, it's still very, it's a very apt description, which is quite Swedish. It's
4: very interesting, because in German it's called Denkarium, which the first part of the word denk means thinking, and the rest is just making it into a noun. It doesn't really have any any meaning. It's a completely made-up word. It didn't exist. so. Yeah
5: okay so tank is swedish for think so yeah. dank and think tank is fairly similar yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense how this sounds
3: well i'm glad we didn't end up i'm <laughs> glad she didn't end up calling it a, a think bowl then <laughs> in english yeah
4: but <laughs> that's that's word. more what the german would yeah. would mean thankful <laughs> <laughs> step into the world of power loyalty
3: Test your luck in the
0: shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now
1: at chumpacasino.com Welcome to the family.
0: VDW Group, no purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
4: Yeah. Um, in Rowling's piece, she also said that they are rare objects, uh, which I... Well, that specifically didn't stumble me as much, but in her piece she said they are rare because it's um so few wizards have the ability to use them. Okay. And I thought that was interesting because I didn't think it was difficult to use them to begin with.
2: Wait, this, so, like, difficult, like, it's hard to extract the memory because in this series we see Dumbledore, Slughorn,
3: and Snape extract a memory all who are supposed to be extremely talented wizards
4: so in her piece it says pensives are rare because only the most advanced wizards ever use them and because the majority of wizard kind is afraid of doing so
5: okay so there's a bit of a risk to obviously removing memories from your head i can understand that Um, (laughs) do you
4: forget the memory when you remove
1: it that's the question that is that's
5: that's the thing we've been writing about i think i don't think so because there's no way for dumbledore to have like guided Harry tr- through those memories he had mm-hmm. and such, if he had then forgotten the memory when he took it out.
2: Yeah. But the pensieve I see as an external hard drive. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I don't have enough storage up here, so let me just, like, free up some space. If
4: If we consider what Snape does, then it almost has to be that they're no longer in his head. Otherwise, why remove the thoughts he doesn't want Harry to see from his head?
3: So after Order uh, of the Phoenix, that was the pre- the prevalent theory is that they were deleted and and they were stored in the pensive and that was it. Then Half-Blood Prince comes out and we have... So we have Dumbledore with other memories, which doesn't really help. But then we have Dumbledore's own memory of being in the orphanage with, with Tom Riddle, like 10-year-old Tom Riddle. Yeah. And... Dumbledore is then able to converse with Harry about that memory, which then kind of threw everybody for a loop because Arya is what you're talking about. Like, oh, well, if Snape put it in the pensive, then it's protected away from Harry. That's why it's there. But then how is Dumbledore able to have the memory? So maybe there is a way of if we're doing the external internal hard drive scenario where you can I can have it saved on my desktop and then also save it on the external hard drive. So I've got both. Of best worlds, or hey, I'm super scared of people hacking into my desktop, so I have uh like a highly password security document that is only accessible onto my external hard drive. Maybe there's there's both of that, but that is still a debate in the fandom today.
5: Yeah, uh, I'm I'm kind of thinking here that it's it's you can do both. You can choose to remove the memory completely from your head and place it in a a external hard drive, or you can choose to keep the memory in your head, but you can back it up by placing it in a, a, one of those vials, basically. Hmm.
4: Maybe by removing it, you can't, like, you still know what happened, but you can't relive it without, like, putting it back into your head or watching it in the Mm pensive. Maybe it's just like, you have like the shortcut version, like essentially the path still in your in your head if we're thinking computers but you can't actually retrieve the file because you've removed the file
5: like you know what happened but you can't see it happen
4: so you know that that happened in your life but you can't yeah see it mm. well
5: i think this is also
3: a, a big question that i have because not everybody has like uh, a memory where they see in terms of images like it's Uh, a memory that's based in sound or a memory that's based in taste or a memory that's based in any of the other senses that we have. And so I'm, I'm interested in how that type of extraction works or if it's only the most talented wizards, because those wizards have like a very image based memories. Like there's just so many questions. (laughs) But couldn't you theoretically extract a memory that's just a
2: scent? Theoretically it should be possible. And it would just be kind of, if you, like, view that memory in a pensive, it would just be black, but it would smell like whatever scent it is. Yeah. Mm
5: -hmm. One would think. That's an interesting thought. Yeah.
3: Also, if you are able to delete memories, my goodness, I you know how uh, you know, let's say you bring a tray of breakfast into bed, you only eat over the tray because you don't want crumbs getting into the bed sheets. If you're able to delete a memory, I am pulling that memory out directly over the pensive, <laughs> and not letting it fall to the ground whatsoever. Because man, that would be scary. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Um, okay. That like, and especially because Snape left the let the memories, like, run from his head mm-hmm. in Deathly Hollows. Like, they, they literally seeped from his head. And had not Harry not had a some kind of system to catch them, they would be gone completely. So mm-hmm. I feel that there has to be... You have to have something left. Theoretically, the entire memory.
3: That leads me to the other question. Are, are witches and wizards able to siphon memories from people who have died?
4: I don't think so
2: i wouldn't think so because there's you eventually like the brain dies Mm -hmm. yeah like the tissue is no longer revivable
5: the magical essence yeah
2: and i think at that point um any chance of extracting a memory is gone because it's
3: Unable to function.
2: Yeah,
5: the magical essence has left. So as long as there's
3: some brain activity, we probably have a chance to extract memories. But this isn't like an Aragog Venom situation where you have a certain amount of time after they've died in order to extract it. But
2: I don't think I could extract someone Mm. else's memory because I don't know the memory. So even if they were dead, I couldn't, like, I don't know the memory.
5: Yeah. It's, it's such a fine process. You, you you need to be the person that, you need to be uh, maybe it's like you're thinking about the memory that you mm. re- can extract it or something like that. Like it has to be what you're thinking about at that moment to be able to actually reach in and grab yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a good point.
4: I think it's similar how the Room of Requirement works, how Harry couldn't enter it when Drake was in it. Oh
3: yeah. That's a great analogy. I'm wondering then what happens with the Pensives when people die? Like that seems a very personal thing to have access to.
5: Yeah, so the pensive is generally buried with the person that it belonged to. Mm. Because yeah, it's it's extremely it's like your wand, it's extremely personal. You're not gonna wanna have it um out and about. <laughs> yeah. That that makes sense.
4: Yeah, and same goes for any sort of memories you would have in jars or anywhere. If if they're not um rolling set that in, in the same piece about pensives if there's not written anywhere in the testament or something that they specifically want those to oh, be given to someone they would also
3: i wonder if there's an expiration dates on magical memories like if you if, if i willed my memories right if i die and, and i will my memories to my children can they just keep willing them throughout the rest of time or does the memory expire
5: yes um Hogwarts school has a pensive for the headmaster, right? Mm-hmm. I believe this is what's written in wizarding world and they pass on memories from headmistress and headmaster, um, forward to the next generation, um, to maintain lessons, teachings, experiences and such. And if that is at all possible, then it there cannot be an expiration date.
4: Mm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Great point. I, I then wonder,
4: which is also insane, because I definitely didn't realize that that Pensieve, yeah, uh, the Hogwarts Pensieve, contains like hundreds of years of memories. Yeah.
2: Oh, I didn't know it either until <laughs> I was, like, in the doc, and I was like, oh, but so is the Hogwarts Pensieve? Does it have? Do they have unlimited storage then? Because. Eventually, it it gonna get full.
4: <laughs> I'm not sure if it can get full, or if it's one of those things where it's just bottomless. Yeah. Because we have extension charms and that sort of stuff. So. Yeah,
5: and you can also have this. You can have more jars in the back. Yeah. Do we know basically? Do we know when it's um,
3: introduced as well? Because it could be like oh. that. Phineas Nigelis Black introduced it first, um, or that when the pencils yeah. were were invented and such. Because and then therefore like its storage space might still be a couple of terabytes.
4: <laughs> uh, we don't know that. At least it didn't have that on that on that piece, yeah, Rowling Road. No
5: mention of that in anything I read either.
3: My big question now is, all right, so Snape has access to the pensive as headmaster, and we know that he's able to occupy the office unlike Dolores Umbridge. Yeah. So why didn't Voldemort come in to the headmaster's office and say, all right, show me the pensive. I'm going to go access Dumbledore's memories to see what his plan is.
4: So Because Voldemort's stupid.
3: Did Voldemort know about the pensive?
4: Also, would he even care?
2: Well, Dumbledore's dead. <laughs>
5: that, that is true. Yeah. But I actually want to weigh in here because there's... I won't put something out here that could make this entire debate a moot point. And is, that is that the only thing you'd put in the pensive is things that are relevant to, to the function of the school. Mm. You're passing on lessons to the next headmaster. You're not going to have your fight with Voldemort. You're going to have things about <laughs> meal plans. and
2: This is what I did when Fred and George <laughs> threw up
3: the swamp. Exactly. Yeah, interesting. I guess it still seems like an oversight, though.
4: Also, Voldemort, has uh, he captures Ollivander, and Ollivander could basically tell you everything about any person he sold you a wand, because the wands are like, personality traits
5: mm-hmm.
4: and he doesn't use Ollivander either.
5: So. Mm. Yeah, fair point. That man has trust issues.
2: Well, I don't think he was thinking of using Ollivander for that because he I thought he just used Ollivander for his quest to get the yeah. other Wand. But
4: like he then has him captured so he could use Ollivander for other uses as well.
3: Oh, but yeah. he doesn't. Okay, <laughs> it's I a see. good point of, of character uh, con- consistency is just not utilizing everything you have at your fingertips.
1: Yeah,
5: yeah.
4: I also think Voldemort just believes that he just alone can get it done yeah. without. That's anyone. his
5: main flaw. He alone can fix it. Yeah. So I guess we can we can kind of settle on the idea that the memories remain um, in your head after you remove them. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like the most logical system because it anything else would be way too risky i feel
3: yeah i agree i also feel like if snape is giving all of his pertinent memories of lily to harry he wouldn't then afterwards be like you have her eyes because he's like if he's just deleted everything how would he know (laughs) (laughs) yeah
5: yeah that's true
4: it's also insane because the pensieve isn't just something where you relive your memory. It gives you the whole thing that happened around it as well. Did you as a person? because It's
2: like all the subconscious stuff. Because when Harry and Dumbledore go in it to the trial, there's it's like it's actually happening, which yeah. when you recall memories, your memory's not that being like, oh, there were 317 people in them. Yeah. And this is what they all looked yeah. like.
4: Also, the one with Snape's worst memory, where Harry mostly hangs out with his his dad and like the Marauders, and here's what they are talking about.
3: Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's a little weird. That's the the craziest part of that whole chapter is is Snape basically hears a whole conversation about the Marauders doing Maraudery things with a werewolf, and is so oblivious because he's concentrating so hard on his OWL preparation <laughs> that. He doesn't hear it, but because his the pensive has such incredible magic and memories have such incredible magic, they, somehow they're able to access that entire conversation so Harry can listen. I wonder if that was intentional to be like, okay, the pensive access subconscious information or if that was just for the narration. Yeah.
4: Well, I pulled two separate interviews where Rowling was asked about how the pensive works essentially. Um, where she answered them. I don't know if we want to read them. One can read the interview, One can read the answer. I don't have to.
3: I can read the answer.
4: Cool. So the first one. Do the memories stored in a pensive reflect reality or the views of the person they belong to?
3: It's reality, is the answer. It's important that I got that across, says Rowling, because Slughorn gave Dumbledore this pathetic cut-and-paste memory. He didn't want to give the real thing, and he very obviously patched it up and cobbled it together so what you remember is accurate in the pensive
4: so that's the first interview and then the other one um goes like this so there are things in there that you haven't noticed personally but you can go and see yourself
3: rolling answers yes and that's the magic of the pensive that's what brings it alive
4: so the interviewer goes on saying
3: i want one of those and rolling answers yeah otherwise It would just be like a diary, wouldn't it? Confined to what you remember. But the pensive recreates a moment for you so you could go into your own memory and relive things that you didn't notice at the time. It's somewhere in your head, which I'm sure it is in all of our brains. I'm sure if you could access it, things that you don't know, you remember, are all in there somewhere.
5: So I have a a thought here, and that's the idea of these reliving experiences. I'm 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 certain that if you can remove a memory and still have it in your head, that witches and wizards would witches and wizards would pay a steep uh, price, for example, or a hefty sum um, to get to experience the memory of a Quidditch player. Yeah,
2: that's a great point. Oh, like that's something at a charity auction.
5: Yeah, like uh, five minutes as Victor Crumb. That's an incredible idea. the Vronsky faint. Yeah,
4: I I liked how we jumped to capitalism.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just thinking like this is the, of course with amongst the mudbloods is is kind of thing that you know how can this be what 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 are other uses we don't see in in the the books um, that you would you would want to for example experience that so you most likely would pay to experience what it's like to be a, a seeker or a chaser for Ireland or whatever it is.
2: But wizards are f- afraid of the Pensieve and not that many have. It, uh, yeah, but it
5: not That's f- the
4: flaw in the capitalist plan. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> true.
3: It doesn't feel too far away from what we've already seen with the Weasleys' um, daydreams. You know, it's like, hold on. In the sixth book, I think we see Weezes, Wizard Weezes, And and one of the things that they have that Hermione comments on is these packable, packageable daydreams where you just, if you want to zone out in class, hold on to this. And they have this like running scene playing. So I wonder if there is a way for someone at some point to figure out how to do that, but with somebody's
5: memory. Yeah, that's for sure. There's some pretty dark uses for that as well. (laughs) Yes. Um, but yes. it, 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 it's theoretically possible, which is which is pretty cool. I think that I think that there's a lot of to the wizarding world that we don't we don't get to see, and this is one of those things.
4: Yeah, and it's also one of those where, however cool and uh, the the possibilities that you get, they're also very easily manipulated and used for the bad. Uh-huh. So
5: yeah. Um, so so one thing I'm I'm kind of thinking about here is is portraits. Um, we know that the portraits it, of the headmasters in Hogwarts are painted early in their term, and then the headmaster talks to them on the free time to educate them about the, their personality and that kind of stuff. Is it possible to, in some way, infuse memory memories into a portrait? Huh. Because that that could be a really effective way of you know creating a effective advisor for the coming headmasters, that, yeah, Phineas and Nig- Nig- Black can remember his time as headmaster, not only recount it for Dumbledore or Severus Snape. I think one of the
3: things that uh, we see already is because we know the system is painted and then person talks, right? So Dumbledore talks to his portrait during his whole term and eventually the portrait is more or less a 2D version of Dumbledore. So it seems in that particular way the only way that you can put a memory into the painting is through, you know, talking to it. So the the painting essentially works as a ghostwriter for an autobiography. Um, instead of instead of like something that actually holds on to memory and can talk about it, it with richness and detail. That's why they have both the portraits um, for the headmasters and headmistresses and also the Pensieve itself.
5: Yeah, and the porter can go say, you know, please see Memory 85. Yeah.
4: <laughs> it's like an index.
5: <laughs> yeah. It's like, I can't, I can tell you about it, but I have to also advise that you go and watch this first. Yeah.
2: But since the Hogwarts Pensieve is all past headmasters or headmistresses, how, like, how Easy is it to obtain, like, to go to the correct memory? Like, if I want to see, like, um, a memory from Phineas, do I just kind of go into the pensive and it comes up, or do I need to, like, thumb through every headmaster before, so before I get to him?
5: There is a cabinet on the pensive with vials of memories, right? Mm-hmm. If I mem- remember, I think that's only in the movie, though. Let's let's say that's canon, um, for <laughs> case of argument. Um, we'll, 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 we'll say the movies are canon. At some, at least somewhat. Um, and there could arguably be, be um, in the back. There's more rooms to Dumbledore's office that we don't see, where he could have that that kind of setup, where he would have numbers and. Phineas else. The, the painting in this case, would know, okay, you need to see this, you need to go to this room. That's what you need to do, to, to, or you need to get this memory, um, so that the, the paintings themselves know what's in each memory and can advise from there.
4: I really like the idea that the uh, Hogwarts pensieve only properly works in combination with the portraits.
5: Yeah, that'd be cool. It's also a built-in security system. Uh-huh. Yeah,
4: which you know, security in the Wizarding world, but
5: <laughs> it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, speaking of paintings, um, there's something I saw recently that I would like love love to lift, and that's the fact that we have so many interesting um, paintings of different people in in in, in, in Hogwarts, um, and one of those paintings is of Anne Boylan. Is it? Yeah. Uh, I think it's the first or second movie when they're Harry, Ron, and Hermione going going up the staircase, and right by the the corner of the staircase, there's a painting of Anne Boylan, uh, the second wife of King Henry VIII. The first beheaded one, right? Yeah, the first one that got beheaded, Um, which, number one, means that if she got to speak to her painting before, means that you could talk to a former Queen of England in, in Hogwarts, which is fantastic. Uh, number two, she is a technically possible candidate for the headless hunt. <laughs> Amazing! Ooh.
4: Do we think they take females though? That sounds like that, a very, that seems
5: like a... I'm sure she she's a queen. Come on, and she fits the criteria. Um, but she's a woman. Yeah,
4: I don't. I mean, medieval world wasn't very kind to women.
3: I also wonder this if she's. Um, afraid of death enough to leave an imprint behind because we know that she, she is afraid of having a painful death because she asks for a very specific sword to behead her. And the cut is so clean that there's a bunch of brain Mm. activity afterwards, which I think this is a fun headcanon in terms of if she is really a witch that would explain that, like, you know, there's some physiology differences that make her still alive afterwards. But I mean, in real life that actually happened.
2: Well, the yeah. brain is still alive a little bit after um
3: it gets, you get the head. That seems awful. Mm. Um but I think that's really cool, uh head cannon or canon. It's kinda of hard to decide when it's a movie, but um I would say she should definitely be in the head of the sun if she decided to leave an imprint behind.
5: Yeah. And she can haunt um Windsor Castle when she...
3: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh,
5: I believe you guys went into um in the spring the the whole royals to wizards connection and they almost succeeded um if he hadn't cut the head off uh, Anne boil they might have had a witch or wizard on the throne huh fascinating so many little little easter eggs shall we
3: move into memory modification ari
4: yeah uh so we know because we see it several times the first time we've really introduced to the modifying charm uh obliviate is uh, by lockhart which then backfires uh in that moment at least in chamber and Secrets. we know he used it very successfully in previous years um and we see it when hermione uses it to uh send her parents to australia so uh we know wizard wizard world can modify people's memories which is very scary when you think about it
3: i mean supposedly the ministry does it to muggles all the time and i this yes raises many ethical questions um i know that there's a statute of secrecy so perhaps they are bound to do it i just think i just think the memory modification charm is used too loosely by the ministry of magic i just don't understand how it works like
2: with lockhart he modified entire towns memories saying he defeated Whatever, he did whatever. And creating a narrative like that seems like a lot of work. Because yeah. who knows how big these towns are, because it's not like he's doing it to one person.
4: I think, I think he does it the same way as it does with Harry and Ron, where he isolates two people, uh, or just like a couple of people, that he supposedly takes on the quest. And then it's just those people he needs to modify the memory. And then they will confirm his story coming
3: back. So he's doing like a Men in Black version.
4: Oh. Where it's,
3: you know, instead of the blinking light to erase everybody's memory, he just gets them all together and uses a big obliviate.
4: No, I think it's just, you know, he takes the...
3: the... He, he takes like a little pack of
2: people. Oh, I see. To like, def- like to fight the Wega Waga werewolf. Yeah. And then rather than the entire town... It's just like Johnny and Bob that actually defeated, that he's like, Oh, JK, you didn't
4: do it, I yeah. did. So like on the way back from the quest, he's like, Well, you forget that you did all the work and now you know that I did all yeah. the work. So they can confirm his story. Hmm. And I doubt the whole town would ever be on one of those. Like would literally see what happens.
3: This goes into a great question that a lot of people bring up, which is Why on earth did Dumbledore hire Lockhart when, and we know that he knows this because uh, he mentions it at the end of Chamber of Secrets, when Dumbledore knows that he's been modifying everybody's memory?
2: Wasn't he the only applicant? Yeah,
4: there was just no one else.
3: So then Dumbledore can teach Defense Against the Dark Arts for
2: a year. But he's headmaster. I don't think headmasters teach. Yeah. I don't know what they do.
3: But they and
5: do headmaster. I mean,
3: they they have lots of administrative work that they need to do. And obviously, he's a
5: pretty busy guy. I just... That's true. And he's it's also cursed. So it's <laughs> not worth the
4: risk
1: to like sacrifice yeah. Dumbledore for a year
4: of education. I mean, people. Poor, poor people who had uh, OWLs and NEWTs that yeah. year that Locker taught. Oh, God. But... I
5: mean... Yeah.
4: From, from uh, like an academic standpoint, it's horrible.
5: Yeah. So this is exa- actually where we are at right now in um, in... Of Muggles and Modbuds, We're actually working through book two right now. And the fact that Gilderoy Lockhart assigns poetry at one point <laughs> as homework is astounding.
3: Yeah. Maybe there's some, some you know, protective spells in the poetry.
5: <laughs> no, it's their first chance at English literature education. Come on, people. I was just going to say, I mean, I don't think
4: they learn about poetry anywhere else. So maybe it's not even that bad in <laughs> that particular.
5: <was> Like they're finally getting like a bit of a rounded education here. Like,
4: so but that's... it definitely has nothing to do with defense.
5: <laughs> the one good thing Lockhart did.
3: I mean, this always brings up questions about like how educated are wizards? Yeah. Uh, if they haven't done any math or how English. do they learn to read? Yeah. That's my
4: question. Oh, I thought Rowling said that they either attend primary schools like Harry or their parents teach them before they go to Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. But. Either way, then, like, you're 11, and then you have to write essays for all your homework. It's
5: always essays, 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 essays. <laughs> Cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, yeah, no, it's... There's no way in the world that um, pure bloods would let their children go to muggle schools. And also, if they did, they would know how to wear muggle clothing. Um, the Wizarding World obviously does not.
2: Yeah. But a lot of times, parents choose to let their kids... Dress themselves because it's just easier. So it might be like June, but their kid is wearing like winter clothes because that's just a lot easier than making them dress appropriately. At
4: least for the UK, though, you have school uniforms.
5: And the and Hogwarts does as well. Um, no, what I'm thinking about here is that if you are sending your children, or you went as a child to a Muggle school, you would at least be peripherally exposed to muggle fashions and you wouldn't be convinced that a bikini bottom is menswear
4: you also would know a pen and then you would have to write uh, essays with quills so
5: yeah Uh, you'd be like what is this a cruel (laughs) joke Uh i'm amazed that there were no
3: mentions of muggle children Using pens in Hogwarts because I feel yeah. like, oh. might... well,
2: do you think that they had like wizarding primary schools? Honestly, yes,
5: there's no mention of it, but it seems like likely. So, this is exactly what because
2: <laughs> they have to learn their alphabet. <laughs> this is exactly
5: what Muggles and Muggles is here for. Uh, yes, I do think they had that. Um, I also do, I also think that Hogwarts is not the only wizarding school in, in the UK, um, uh, but that's just... well,
2: because, um like, this is kind of off-topic, but the Japanese um, wizarding school, Mahotokoro, um, I don't know what the age, but the younger students only go there for the day. Mm. So that's kind of how I'm picturing primary school working, is they go there for, like, a standard school day, so, I don't know, eight hours, and they learn how to write, they learn their ABCs, they learn how to count, because... You need to put in three lacewing flies into the potion. How many is three? Who knows?
4: (laughs) How many times do you need to stir in which direction? (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, at least for the UK, I think we know that Hogwarts isn't, uh, you don't have to attend. People can choose to homeschool. Mm
5: -hmm. Yeah.
2: Which seems very expensive. Yeah, Hogwarts? No, homeschooling. Because Hogwarts is
5: free. Yeah, Hogwarts is a public institution.
4: Yeah, but I assumed there would probably be some private, smaller institution that you could potentially send your child to. If there
5: was, if there was, the Malfoys would be going there.
4: Yeah, I suppose. Well, he almost went to... Durmstrang.
2: Yeah. Dermstrang. As well as Pig Farts, <laughs> which is on Mars.
4: Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Love
3: the very Potter musical.
4: Gotta get back to Hogwarts. We gotta get back to... Ugh. <sighs> But yeah, I think uh, Obliviator seems, like, very, very powerful
5: as well. Mm-hmm. Extremely. Also, the the job of being an Obliviator is insane. Yeah. yeah. Like, your job is modifying fine memory.
3: Yeah. I hope everybody has a tough time sleeping. Because that is just... It's, it's totally unethical.
5: But also completely necessary for the survival of their society.
3: Right. Uh, uh, if you want to stay in secret, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so it's I like... just also wonder how many witches and wizards are Obliviating their own memories if they like go through a particularly bad breakup and they're a teenager so they don't know any better or you know later on in life they uh, somebody passes and they have to deal with that grief and they don't want to so they just obliviate all memory of them like how how often is that sort of thing happen? Do you think Madame Pomfrey deals mm-hmm. with like
2: yes people obliterating bad like memories of bad breakups on the regular? Yes.
4: Do you think you can do that to yourself?
2: Yes. I don't think you could do it to yourself. You
5: need to find a friend. You can probably think do it yourself. Will... It's not going to go well, though. That's the issue. Right. Yeah.
4: I also don't think it would happen with students, because I think Hermione could do it because Hermione's Hermione. But even then, she was 17.
5: Also, don't take the risk. Well,
2: I feel older students could. I highly doubt a first year
3: can do... That spell. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about attempting to do it, right? Not not succeeding to do it. If Pomfrey's dealing with it, and so uh, I think that there's plenty of opportunity. Like, if if students are trying to curse off their own acne, that there's definitely students who are attempting to modify their own
5: memory. Yeah. So I I, I can weigh in here a little bit. It's like, what Barty Crouch Junior. Um, asks Mad Eye says is that you need to be have a certain ability to actually even cast a spell. So uh-huh. when he is demonstrating, like, the unforgivable curses, he says that you could all basically point your wands, I me mean, me, say, at Vada Kedavra, and I would not even get a nosebleed. Um, so I don't even think first-years could technically obliviate themselves, and <laughs> if a force of fifth-year tries to do it, I think it's going to be a massive, massive... Um, mess up like they're gonna have some serious issues Agreed. but i think that's that might be like a large part of madame pomphy's job is to handle um young witches and wizards doing magic on themselves
3: Mm -hmm. well and it feels like there's a there seems to be a lack of uh, maybe it's just because we don't see it because we only see harry's pertinent uh story for the voldemort uh you know tale but it seems like there should be a lot more like talking and education to wizards about all right let's not use engorgio improperly let's not obliviate ourselves because we, we don't like somebody <laughs> that broke up with us etc cetera, etc cetera.
5: responsible use of magic
3: right
4: <laughs> i suppose that comes down to the lack of sex education as well it's like oh just God. the sort yes. of basics that they should be covering yeah, so this is what this is how you deal with your wand. This is not where you to store it. This is uh the spells you do not use on yourselves.
5: Do not blow your ass off like Moody says. Yeah. Right, yeah. Who do you know who's lost a buttock? Exactly. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, a great line I, by Thomas. I was wondering why like wand holsters aren't a thing.
2: Yeah. Well the robes have pack well the robes you purchase at like universal, they have like a wand okay, good,
5: pocket. Okay. Good. But you take your robes off and you wanna have your wand with you still. Anyway.
3: (laughs) That sounds like a personal (laughs) dilemma. (laughs) I've got to think that there are a high number of American wizards at Ilvermorny who have literal wand holsters,
5: though. Oh, yeah. Just, like, quick draw competitions and that kind of stuff, yeah.
2: (laughs) Maybe they just wear cargo pants.
5: (laughs) And, like, they have a pocket. I'd argue that, like, Ilvermorny is, like, the New England, Quebec school, and you have some more, your other schools in the... The Southern United States, for example, you have... I bet you have one in, like, Louisiana.
3: Yeah, I mean, Ilvermorny is right, the the major school, but as Rowling says, there are a bunch of other schools. So it'd be interesting to go into, like, a, a Texan New Orleans area type of Deep South school and see... I feel like when the South
2: seceded from the Union, a Southern school kind of
5: oh. became... I love
3: that
2: headcanon.
5: I, okay, I'm I'm gonna completely go against this and basically say that I I have absolutely no I I do not think that witches and wizards give a a hoot a, a hoot yeah about <laughs> borders and Muggle um socio economic like ideas like. Who cares where a state border is if you're a wizard? It doesn't make a difference. Like, I don't think that they care.
3: I think that there's an interview out there where Rowling talks about it. Um, so somebody, one of the listeners will have to go and find it. But essentially, I think Rowling says that wizards in general, every once in a while have to get together with their government and be like, okay, should we go with muggle borders or not? And that usually they end up going with... Muggle borders just to kind of keep everything situated. So, like, mm. as the United States continued to grow with the Louisiana Purchase and then with the War with Mexico, etc., that the um, Macuza grew with it, redefining its borders um, from time to time. Yeah. So, but it would be interesting. And it, this is totally off topic. Um, we should probably get back to memories. <laughs> but it is interesting to think about what is what is the Wizarding uh, attitude towards slavery, and was that. Um, did that, was they, were they already done with that? Or when the, the South seceded, were there a group of wizards who were like, yeah, we're seceding too and creating our own school because we don't like this anti-slavery attitude. Well, they, they use
4: House elves, elves. Yeah.
5: So I don't yeah. think they would use...
3: Well, So sorry, I should say human slavery. So I, I, I should say human slavery. I don't
5: think that human slavery is a thing with, within the magical community because they have... Because um, they have House Elves. But yeah, but they're they're dealing with non human magical creatures i think that they're gonna treat um black or indian or um japanese wizards as wizards um regardless of their their color yeah
3: that's an interesting sociological perspective because because there is a literal literal other races rather than the social construct of race yeah they are bound together as wizards rather than as well, I'm a black wizard, or a uh, Asian wizard, or a white wizard.
2: Well, it's in um, the Fantastic Beast movies. Um, the president of Makuza is right. a female, and she's black, and that's taking place in the 20s, which historically is an o- like is at the start of the mm-hmm. women's rights movement. But having a female magical president is something that an American nomad would have. Like, difficult to swallow. Would not even imagine. Yeah.
3: Excellent point.
5: They didn't have the right to vote, so, you know. <laughs> anyway, um, maybe since we're already over here in Macuza, uh, should we, we were going to discuss Queenie a little bit here.
3: Yeah, legilimency. Uh, Ari, you want to take it away?
4: Yeah, so uh, aside from Obliviate, we also know that we have legilimency and occlumency. So uh, for lack of better describing, mind reading... Um, and if we look at the Latin origin, because we like to do that, uh, ligens means a reader and mens means mind, same obviously then goes for occlumens. So occultu is Latin for hide, conceal, cover, and mens still, obviously still means mind. Um, so we know, uh, because Snape tells us it's not mind reading, uh, that legitimately is the ability to extract emotions and memories from another person's mind and occlumency is therefore the art to hide your memories and defend yourselves against someone who is trying to uh extract your memories
3: i have a big question about occlumency here um we know that snape performs occlumency against uh voldemort who's known as one of the most accomplished of the in a long long time um So, when Snape performs Occlumency, is it just simply him refusing to let Voldemort into his mind? Or does Snape have to feed false memories to Voldemort? Because it feels like if Snape was just blocking Voldemort out, that Voldemort would get suspicious.
2: Well, I think Snape is hiding the um, Order of the Phoenix memories that are about his downfall, since Snape is a secret agent. Mm.
3: So it's just...
4: I thought Voldemort knows that he's in the order because Snape is pretending, well, in Voldemort's mind, Snape is pretending to be a spy on the good side.
2: Yeah, but he doesn't know that Snape's pretending to be a Death Eater. And he knows, like, I was like, so like, Voldemort thinks Snape is in the order and feeding him information. But then actually Snape um, is pretending to be a Death Eater, but he's telling him things in the order. But then there are secret things in the order that he doesn't,
3: like, that he's hiding because he's on the order's side. I see. So Snape's just hiding the pertinent memories that expose him as a double agent.
4: Yeah. And I think because he is giving something, it's just hiding parts of memories, not Mm -hmm. the whole memory.
3: Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I
4: also find it interesting um, that the Sorting Head, uh, according, again, to uh, Rowling, is uh, a skilled at legilimency, that you can charm an object to do that.
3: Because we know that the Founders all put their brains inside that hat. Which one do we think was the Legilimens? Ravenclaw. Yeah, that's my pick too.
5: All of them? All of them. Yeah. Like, four of the most talented witches of their age, I'm sure they can all do some level of Legilimency.
3: Oh, I took this as who was a born one like. Uh. Yeah, that's what I was asking. I think it's Ravenclaw, if we're going with a born, yeah. A born Legilimens. Yeah, if anybody is, it's Ravenclaw, yeah, that's true. But I could see them all mm-hmm. learning how to do that. Which, if, so, because legitimacy is a thing that exists in the world, I'm a little concerned that there's no occlumency class. There's no basic, maybe it's in Defense Against the Dark Arts at an NEWT level, but it feels like there should be at least some sort of, hey, class, there are people out there who will try and use legitimacy against you. Here's basic yeah. occlumency well, yeah. that might be something in aura training,
5: mm. yeah. But it should That'd really be, cool. be something that you're exposed to as a regular witch wizard as well, because it's pretty dangerous, aggressive magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, also, we we are all of the same mind that there are born legilimens and then learned legilimens, right?
4: Yes. Yes. Yes.
3: Okay. Cuz that is somewhat of a, deba- a debate out there even with Queenie being a legilimens cuz we we all think Queenie definitely was born somebody who naturally was gifted in in not reading people's mind but whatever that version of legilimensy is.
1: I, I, I maybe we
5: can make a distinction of somebody who can practice legilimensy and a leg, 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 legilimens like there's there's a difference there. There's somebody that can do it and there's somebody that's born doing
4: it. Yeah, I think the like for me at least, the distinction is someone who's born with it doesn't need to use a spell, versus mm-hmm. someone like Snape who uses it uh, in the Occlumency lessons does actually cast a spell.
1: Got
3: it. Versus like, so this is sort of the Metamorph Marge's uh, thing where yeah, you yeah, exactly. you can yeah. transfigure yourself to look different at any time, but only Metamorph Margises are. Or marty- mar- metamorph Magi? I don't know what the plural of that is. Um Metamorph Magi. Metamorph no, Magi. Like I don't know. Um so like Teddy or Tonks uh, can can do it without a spell.
4: Yeah. Yeah, cool. that's what I would figure. I
3: wonder I if their if their brain tentacles have multiple colors and that's why they can do it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. I do think that um we we know Dumbledore can do it as well. And I think Dumbledore is that skilled of a wizard that he can do it with non-verbal mm-hmm. and probably without a wand. Because oh, 100%. Harry often gets the feeling that Dumbledore is like x-raying him, um, which I think is the confirmation that he is using a bit of agility maybe at those moments, which maybe he shouldn't do. But what... What is ethics?
3: Right. (laughs) Harry gets that feeling from Snape as well. And that feels like a fireable offense for a teacher, right? I, as a teacher, cannot take somebody's phone out and read their texts. Um, And so I don't see how on earth Snape isn't... Well, I mean, I I know why Snape isn't fired. It's for the greater good, but... um,
4: Also, like, what basis is it that you would fire your teacher for something that you as a headmaster do?
3: Right. (laughs) I suppose maybe... (laughs) Like you were saying, that just should stop, period. It should stop with Dumbledore, it should stop yeah. with Snape. <laughs> Nobody should be doing that to minors. Or or even yep. adults. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good, good. I also wonder what the regulations are as far as legitimacy goes. Um, because Queenie, like, just seems to do it whenever she wants in the twenties. Um, and obviously we know from, from Crimes of Grenadival that she is leaning. Uh, on the evil side currently sorry for those those are spoilers if you haven't seen it um but surely there should be some type of regulation in terms of you cannot use legitimacy whenever you want i
4: got the impression that she can't control it as much that Mm -hmm. it just naturally picks it up yeah me too because in crimes of Grindelwald, she has that mental breakdown moment where she almost seems to drown in all the the her thoughts. thoughts that she's picking up around her?
2: I thought she was breaking down because the thoughts were in French and she doesn't speak French.
4: <laughs> yeah, but she still can't block them out, and they just like drown her in in French, <laughs> I suppose. Well, and
2: that's why um I think with Queenie, when Rosier came to mm. her, she was able to read her mind in english so that was comforting to her because she was surrounded by french Mm.
4: yeah
3: a brit's worst nightmare drowning in french
4: (laughs) (laughs) speak for yourself
2: (laughs) i'm kidding i definitely
4: didn't have the impression that she controls it as much yeah it just it just always picks it up no that's a good reading of that
3: character
5: that would drive a little bit insane to have the, the constant noise of people's thoughts Around you all the time. Mm-hmm. It's
4: probably similar to like the spider sense mm. that Peter Parker has, where he just needs to get used to not tune in into hearing what everyone in the building says. Yeah. Even though he could.
3: Because
2: it's like I think this was in the first Fantastic Beast film when Queenie was sneaking out with um, Newt's case. Yeah. Um,
4: ladies' things. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, ladies' things, and then she brings up. Something about who's ever kind of interrogating her, mm. um, and then he just kind of lets her go. Yeah,
4: yeah. It's
5: a scary bit of powerful magic. Um...
4: Yeah, it's definitely not good that uh, she's now on Grindelwald's side. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. That can definitely be used for for a lot of bad stuff. Well,
3: yeah. especially as because the way we see it at the end, there, right, is she's using it on Credence to feed. Grindy, some, some, hey, this is how he's feeling. Yeah. But do you think you can use oculomency
2: on Queenie?
4: Yeah. I think if you're really good at it, yes. I think if you're like Harry, who like barely can do it ever, then <laughs> no, no chance. But
2: you think like Grindelwald is doing it with Queenie?
3: Yeah, that's my theory is how she that's goes lucky. back on to, um, onto the good side is that he will be hiding things from her and that she'll find out some other way and be like oh never mind i was deceived
5: i also i also like the the thing for me that i i get caught on quite a lot is is this this lack of like advanced magic education um some of it which like i kind of dismissed because harry potter is a jock and <laughs> is exactly paying attention to his studies, um, ever? So there is a definite possibility that possibility that he has been taught many of these things in class, but like, there has to be more to education in the wizarding world than what is at Hogwarts.
4: Do we think that Hogwarts is too short? That there should be more than seven years of yes, schooling? Absolutely,
5: yes. Um, but I, I think there's most likely some kind of apprenticeship or trade school system in the in the wizarding world. Yeah, I mean we hear that, about well, that with or. Don't you
2: take go to like
3: aura
5: mm-hmm. school?
4: There's... Yeah. That's one of the few ones that we do know that that exists.
3: That's just vocational education which is is very valuable, but there doesn't seem to be any sort of furthering education out just for education's sake, which is important. Yeah. Oh, like getting like uh university Right, yeah, going to, like going that. to college or grad school, getting your PhD, etc.
5: Yeah, it's it's an issue. For sure. We'll see. I will come back to you guys with an answer once we have it. Excellent.
2: (laughs) But do you think with that, um, like a bachelor's degree would be getting an OWL and then getting like a master's would be getting um, an NEWT? That's sort of how it's set up. I think
4: that is more down to GCSEs and A-levels. Yeah.
5: I think those are oh, directly okay. corresponding. Do
3: you want to explain that to me who you need to explain it like you're five years old and I feel like a lot of our American viewers <laughs> don't know what that means?
4: Uh, sure. Um, it's very interesting because we have the same sort of system in Germany. So uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you can essentially get your Es, which would be your OWLs, and then stop school and learn, like go to a trade school and learn sort of those type of jobs. Or you could continue to go to school and achieve your A-levels, which would be your NEWTs, um, and those would uh, make you eligible to go to university. Without A-levels, you cannot go to university.
3: Okay. So, and does it correspond to the same age?
4: Yeah, pretty much.
3: Okay. Very interesting. Because, um, I mean, with the United States, there's your primary school, 12 years, and you graduate high yeah. school, which used, in the United States used to get you like find jobs that you could have a career with. Um, and then <laughs> do, no longer does that.
0: <laughs> and then you go to college
4: <laughs> and
3: that gets you actual jobs sometimes. And now you really have to go to grad school in order to get entry level positions. So yeah, it's
4: interesting to me that there was ever a time you could get a job with just a high school degree. Cause that was never the case here.
3: Yeah. It's, it, it, there's a lot of, Discussion about the American economy that we could do essentially like you could go and get a factory job that paid well because the middle class was strong here um, in a way that you could, you know, get pay for a family of four with one person's salary by working a factory job in Cleveland or Indiana or Iowa, whatever. Um, That's just no longer the case.
5: I have a solution for you guys. Yes. Unions.
3: (laughs) Yeah. um, If there weren't anti-union laws throughout the United States, that could be much, much easier. So,
2: uh, thank you, Tavi, for being a guest on this episode. Uh, It was great getting your input on pretty much everything. And
3: I really enjoyed recording with you. Yes, thank you so much, Tavi. Thanks for having me.
4: Yeah, you're a really fantastic guest. So great to have you. And uh, do you want to remind the listeners one more time your Harry Potter podcast in case they want to check it
5: out? would love to uh we're called of muggles and mudbloods and you can find us where every get your podcasts um and of course follow us on social media um same name and we post great memes <laughs> yes <laughs> that we make ourselves Ooh, which is the, the which is why i get lots of stress because i just like i'm trying to make new memes that haven't been made before and it's kind of hard yeah that's difficult because harry potter fans are creative mm-hmm.
4: they are They are indeed. Um, So we are going to stick to the topic of memories for the next episode. Because uh, for the chapter revisit, uh, we are going to look at Order of the Phoenix, at least Sam and I's favorite book. (laughs) Um, And it's going to be chapter 28, uh, Snape's Worst Memory.
3: Visit our website where you can be on our show at alohomorepodcast.com. And there you will choose be on the show. Follow the instructions to send us your audition. We just recently updated our drop-down list for the next several months' worth of topics, so be sure to check it out. You just need a microphone and a pair of headphones. If you're chosen to guest host, we'll walk you through the rest. While you're on the website, be sure to visit the Topic Submit page to tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about on future episodes. And you can also follow us on
2: social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Alohamora MN on Facebook at facebook.com/open the Dumbledore. Our website is Uh We're also on YouTube at youtubecom Alohamora Mn, as well as we have a Spotify playlist. as long as you just search Alohamora MN, you can email us at Alohamorapodcast at gmail.com.
4: And one more reminder to check out our Patreon that you can find at patreon.com slash alohomora. Uh, thanks again so much to Hunter Jones for sponsoring this episode. Yay! Woo. Thank you, Hunter! <laughs> Thank you, Hunter. <laughs> uh, you can sponsor us, uh, too, for as little as uh, $1 a month or, you know, the 100 pennies that you can find on your walk while you listen to this podcast. And uh, be sure to check out our higher tiers for access to the Dumbledore's Office Facebook group that we have. Uh, episode sponsoring decals, and you know, a new no, a new podcast within the podcast that's called uh, Full Circle, and uh, is another interesting reread podcast that you should definitely check out. I'm Aurelia.
3: I'm Rex. I am Sam. Thank you for listening to episode 313 of Alohomora. Open the Dumbledore.
2: topic on memory.
0: There isn't just one type of memory. Memory's kind of broken up into what a lot of people see as short-term and long-term memory, and essentially... They are as well as you also have procedural or motor memory like really and this is kind of like um, writing a bike that case how you just kind of um, learn um, how to like it your like, in your body just for you to know, rip- i do this know, like a and so and know, and I so no, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know and also long term memory tells me how are memory and coding, so that just more the uh things coming a and a lot of ways that's the thing visual memory you um figuring out how you that it the um you have priming which is just prior exposure to improve recall. Like, when I was five, I touched fire because I wondered if it was hot, and now I know not
4: to touch fire. I mean, we do see a whole ward that at St. Mungo's that seems to deal with memory loss.
5: I didn't even think about looking at St. Mungo's for this. Yeah, when uh, we're we- we talking about St. Mungo's, though, we're dealing a lot more with the effects of magic.